So fuck yes, welcome to After the Hype with me, your host is always Brian Dressel. With me as always is Jonathan Hardesty. I'm here. Chewy Darso. I'm ready. Emma Blake is not here. She's not ready. <laughs> no, she's not ready. <laughs> no. I don't remember why she's, she's not here. She has to work, right? Yeah. yeah. Something like that? Yeah. I don't know. I think she's a... She's off doing something. Nice. Well, <laughs> if you recall all our great screenplay ideas from a couple weeks yeah, ago. Yeah, she's off writing those. She's writing those. Yeah, yeah. that's what she's doing. We, we got her on the podcast during a downtime, uh, and now she's like killing it as a script supervisor. So she has all these jobs. Ugh, work. Jobs. <laughs> Success. What is that? Uh, and special guest today, we have Graham Skipper here. Hi, Graham. Fuck a bummer! <laughs> <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> it's a good intro. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. Uh, we did a big promotion back in the day when we did our Green Room episode on the movie Beyond the Gates, which I think Graham's familiar with. I uh, never heard of it. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Uh, do you have anything else to plug beyond Beyond the Gates, which is on Netflix now? People should um, check it out. Yeah, check out Beyond the Gates. Uh, yeah, I, I wrote and directed a movie. It's called Sequence Break. That's uh, exciting. And it's out uh, on the festival circuit right now. Um, and we'll be out wide on Shutter, the amazing streaming service, um, sometime next year. We don't know when. Uh, and uh, yeah, if you're in LA, uh, we're having our LA premiere as part of Beyond Fest um, over at the Egyptian on October 8th. So super stoked Fun. about that. We like the Egyptian. Our tickets is available. Um, so uh, our movie is a free screening, so it's okay. first come, first serve. Uh, we're October 8th at 7.30 p.m., so I think tickets are available starting at 6 and just show up and grab a ticket and come see a weird Cronenbergian uh, biomechanical hallucinatory trip down the rabbit hole starring Chase Williamson. That's a hell of a pitch. Yeah. Whenever Chase was also in Beyond the Gates, He right? was. He yeah, played my brother. As long as it's not like Naked Lunch. <laughs> no, not so much Naked Lunch. It's more like... Tetsuo the Iron Man okay. meets like Altered States. Kinda? I can handle that. Yeah. <laughs> Just Iron or Naked Lunch had a lot of things, and I'm like, I never need to see that again. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you might also remember Graham from being a severed head in the background of some yes. of our videos. <laughs> many, <laughs> many of our videos. And and the severed head. I, I think that head has been used in a lot of movies at this point. I think so. Yeah. I mean, why not? If you've got a headline around, you might want to use it. I want to. <laughs> there are yeah. Uh, they said they have more too. I'm sure that they do. I, I want to do like a drinking game at some point, and you know, just line up a whole bunch of movies where my head's somewhere in there. And <laughs> I mean, that'd be a hell of a game. Yeah, spot the head. Spot the head. And it's not a porno. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, let's do a quick. Where have you been doing? I will go first. With. I have so many things yeah. that I've been doing, and I don't know. I've been watching a show. Uh, I'm not sure. Some people have heard of it. It was kind of popular, I guess. Uh, maybe you haven't. It's Kirby Enthusiasm. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, for some reason, I never got into this show. I don't know why. I just never gave it the time of day. And it turns out I'm a big fan. <clears throat> it turns out I really like oh, Seinfeld and surprise. everything Larry David. So yeah. the reason I didn't watch this show is beyond me. Uh, it's really fucking good. <laughs> like really good it's if... so frustrating oh yeah i mean it's it's seinfeld with no seinfeld it's just all costanza which he gets really mad whenever somebody brings up how much like costanza he is but that's or how stupid costanza is that's the way it goes but whatever uh but yeah it's fantastic if you've ever enjoyed seinfeld or larry david and you're like me and never gave it a shot for some stupid reason you're being as dumb as i was and you should go watch it so that, that does bode well with me eventually watching that you should do you like seinfeld yeah. Yeah, there's no reason to not watch it. Okay. That's cool. it. That's, I mean, it's Seinfeld where they can say fuck a lot, and they do a lot. Right, right. Uh, who wants to go next? I'll go next. 
Uh, one of my friends recently posted one of those "Have you seen it?" Uh, movie links, and it was all like the top one hundred worst movies of all time. How many have you seen? Is this how a movie ended up on my lamp? Is it down Periscope? Yeah, it is. Yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> I started taking it, and it down Periscope was one of the top ten. And I was just like, "This, this is bullshit." <laughs> I love John Periscope. <laughs> I'm going to go watch it right now because I have a DVD copy of it back from Blockbuster when you could buy oh, the nice. used versions and I have that. I think it still has the used sticker it on does. it. It does. <laughs> so I rewatched Down Periscope. Uh, it had been a while. Uh, now as a little bit older, a little more mature, the girl falling in love with her superior seems a little inappropriate. Uh <laughs> And just all the sexual harassment towards her. But that was supposed to be the comedy of, like, there's a girl in a submarine. They're not supposed to be here. Uh, Down, Periscope. <laughs> but, I mean, it's absurd. It's a dumb comedy. And I still enjoy it. Kelsey Grammer dressing up as a pirate and making Rob Schneider rock walk the plank is fantastic. Yeah, <laughs> Rob Schneider is in that movie. Rob, Rob Schneider is. Rob Schneider, before he told people not to vaccinate his kids, is great. <laughs> Uh, and now I'm rewatching Frasier because I'm just in the Kelsey Grammer mood. You're not going to watch X-Men 3? I might do that, but <laughs> no, no, I'm not going to do that. It's X-Men 3. That's a fair point. Uh, John, what about you? So I, I saw a horror film this weekend, but it's not the one you guys are thinking about. I watched a horror anthology show called XX, and it's a, a horror anthology directed and written by women. And I'd heard about it a while ago, but kind of forgot about it until I saw it on Netflix. I was just kind of, usually when it's late at night, I get in the mood to watch horror films. So I just kind of scroll the streaming services and like, what, what could be fun? And this one stuck out to me on the premise. And it was really good. It was uh, four stories, all kind of dealing with uh, some take on motherhood. And I didn't, I, it, they kind of hide that. That's the, the, the theme for a little bit. And it's like, oh, that's kind of cool how they weave it together. There's, um. Yeah, it's just really well done, really well acted, well produced, well made. And it's definitely worth checking out. And uh, all the stories are really well done. And I liked it way more than ABC's A Death 1 and 2. And I kind of hate I kind of hate those movies because they are just... You're the ones who told us to watch them. Yeah. Uh, you were the one on this podcast. Like, oh, you should check these out. They're really good. I've, them. I've, I've gone back to them. And, and <laughs> He's matured. I've matured. Well, I, I think what it is is there. it's anthology... Uh, movies always kind of have a hit or miss element to them and uh, at least, especially in uh, abc's a death two which i think soured me on those is there's, there's about nothing they're all about just random horror elements and they're just there there's no reason for any of them whereas this tries to kind of explore something thematically across all of them having a, a more darkly comedic one a more tri typical slasher one kind of like they kind of cover different aspects of horror and they actually kind of are more cohesive um and yeah, so just, I, I, I like this one a lot better, kind of coming like after watching the other ones a few times and kind of thinking about it some more. I like what this one's trying to do more than just being a grab bag of horror shorts kind of assigned to a letter of the alphabet. I think this one works better and is a little bit more worth it if you want something more from the anthology. Okay. Yeah. I'll, I mean, I don't usually watch a lot of the anthology films just because, like you said, they're all grab bag. They're all, they're all grab sure. bag. And I think the... The, the gimmick, I hate calling it a gimmick because that's not, like, it's just a bunch of gals got together and wanted to make a really cool anthology horror thing. And it works. But I think that, too, helps because it feels very much like a different perspective. Hmm. So, 
Graham, what about you? Um, well, I've been seeing a lot of movies lately. I've been traveling around on the film festival circuit, so I've been seeing just like a ton of stuff. Um, uh, so I won't, I won't go into too many of those because, you know, some of them aren't movies that are out yet and, and uh, whatever. I mean, there's an amazing movie called Low Life that I saw. Keep your eyes open for that. I saw the new Hatchet movie, Victor Crowley. Uh, it's awesome, super violent. Uh, mm-hmm. Last night, I saw a little movie. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of uh, It. It's called It. <laughs> it, what, it? Um, yeah, I saw which that. One, which one? Uh, it. 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 What uh, is it? Or maybe it's IT. It might be about like a technical Oh, it's like the IT thing. crowd movie? Yeah, the IT oh. crowd movie, yeah. Cool. Um, That's no. why I was very confused. <laughs> yeah, I saw that last night. Uh, fucking awesome. Um, the, I think the thing that I, I, I wanted to bring up was I, for whatever reason, have been marathoning... Um, <laughs> I got back from the UK recently, so I'm jet lagged. So I've been awake all night, mm-hmm. and so I've been watching all the old Universal monster movies. Oh, cool! Oh, we um, did that last year or two years ago. For and October, yeah. They're yeah. they're so good. You know, yeah. I, I hadn't watched them in a long time. I think the one that sort of surprised me the most was The Invisible Man, because um, I hadn't seen that one. You know, like every year, like around Halloween, I watch like Bride of Frankenstein and Creature sure. from the Black Lagoon. Like I think those are my favorite ones. But like Invisible Man's totally crazy, you know. And especially when you think of when these movies came out, how that must have been to an audience back then. I mean, they oh, must yeah. have lost their fucking minds. Oh yeah, it was very well done. Yeah, yeah, they're they're all really good. And what a the there's like a a, a Blu-ray box set that has you know all of the films, and they have really interesting commentaries with film historians on them. And oh, the cool. commentaries are fascinating because like. You know, you hear about like, you know, all these actors were huge Broadway stars, you know, or like this, the woman in The Wolfman that plays, I can't remember her name. She was like the old gypsy lady. You know, she was like, she studied with Stanislavski at the Moscow Art Theater. Like she was a major, major actress at the time, you know, and Mm. it just put up all those movies in a whole new perspective for me. So I've been... Really enjoying those, um, and uh, yeah. So I guess that's that's what I've been watching. Go go back and check those out. They're they're really good, and there's some really cool cool stuff in them. And the acting is like, I think you know, it's such a great uh, example of what the top actors were doing back then. Uh, it's pretty cool. Have you watched the Abbott and Costello one yet? Um, uh, no, I haven't yet. I, I mean, I, I saw I watched that when I was a kid. Oh, okay. That was I mean, I've seen it before. Um, but yeah, that'll be, <laughs> that'll be amazing. up next. Uh, the one I got to watch is the, the Phantom of the Opera, not the silent one, but the, <clears throat> the one with like Claude Rains. That they, I don't think I've ever seen that one. Yeah, they did it in Technicolor and I, I've seen it before and I remember it not being my favorite one, but I'm going to give that one a revisit. Maybe I would, uh, I would also recommend like after going through all those universal ones, jump right to the William Castle stuff. Cause that's oh, almost like sure. a good follow up. And I, think, I was hoping you were going to say, jump right to the Tom Cruise one. <laughs> <laughs> no, like, because that was one of my first kind of memories out here, going to a specific theater that won't be named. They had a William Castle series, hmm. and they used all the gimmicks in the theater. So, like... I went to the same series. Yeah. And it was so great. And those movies, are like, if you watch go from Universal to that, I think that'd be a really great set of just... Man, that'd be an awesome month <laughs> of just watching those movies. and. But yeah. But, yeah, they're great. Go revisit them. Cool. Um, yeah, they're awesome. Uh, cool. I think that's everything for where we've been doing. Yeah. I think it's time to start talking about a little movie called Why Don't You Play in Hell? Fuck about it! <laughs> uh, so the reason we're doing this movie today uh, was really just because I've been wanting to do a Sansano movie for a long time because mm-hmm. I really love this director. And then Tag just recently came to Netflix. I'm like, oh, we're going to do Tag. And then I looked into Tag, and I'm like, that one might be a little rough to talk about. Let's just dial it back to one that was really popular, (laughs) and we did Why Don't You Play in Hell. Uh, Although you should still see Tag if you haven't. 
Um, you should see any scene on Sona. Oh, movie. they're so good. I was they're... very skeptical skeptical of Tag while we were watching it. I'm like, yeah. where's this movie going? The f- you really and then have the to. The ending was great. You have to power through the first third because you're going to be watching it going, so I'm just watching upskirt shots for what reason? And oh, what's like, the, what, wait, what's the problem? It's <laughs> <laughs> a lot of upskirt I mean, shots. It, it's, yeah. And they're all look pretty young. Like, it's, it's kind of like. What is this? It feels almost out of place, even for him. Yeah. Which okay. really nothing is out of place. But if you get through that first half hour, it makes sense thematically. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Um, and it's fucking great. At least I thought so. I've been told that it's also the worst movie ever made. So who knows? Take my See, opinion. I, don't. I whatever. With, I think that with Sion Sono, like you, it's one of those things where you just have to trust him to take you on a ride. And yeah. by the end, it'll all you know come together. And I mean, even like what, one of my favorite movies of his is a movie called The Whispering Star. Have I've any, never seen that one. Seen no. that one? Black and white, super quiet, very somber, like the complete total opposite of why don't you play in hell? Okay. And <laughs> and it's but it's it's fantastic. But again, that's a movie where for the first part of it you're kinda of going, Where is this movie going? And is it really gonna go anywhere? And I'm a little bored and Yeah. And you just sort of have to give yourself over to Sono and trust that he knows what he's doing and then by the end it's like this very, you know, emotional experience that really is is pretty Weighty. Yeah, Whispering Star is, is interesting. It's a black and white movie where I think it's his wife plays the lead role. I, I, I might be wrong about that, but she um, she's uh, a robot that's traveling around the galaxy. Oh, I've heard of this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah she yeah. like has to deliver stuff. But what's interesting huh. is that all of the um, alien landscapes that she goes to are um, shot in the Fukushima like evacuation zones after the tsunami. And oh, so, shit. and so, wow. and the actors are the people who were displaced from their homes that used to live there. And so she travels around this like sort of barren galaxy where every planet is these people who are in this like wasteland, but are trying to act like life is normal. And so it becomes this huge, you know, sort of metaphor for, for, you know, being a, a refugee in your own country sort of thing. And Damn. her being a robot trying to, uh, you know, relate to that and figure out what it means to be human. And so it's re- it's really interesting. Like there's barely any dialogue in it. There's I don't think there's any music at all. Wow. Like it's it's it, you know. And then we think of something like why don't you yeah. play it out? <laughs> right, and right. I'm going damn, Sion Sono is like, I mean, this guy. He's uh, incredible. I mean, he does yeah. what two movies a year almost? It feels like. I mean, if not more. I mean, yeah. The guy I feel like he just has a lot movies. to say, and he's better at saying it than most people oh yeah because each one of his movies has kind of a different message to it other than like the hate trilogy which is all kind of about like hate and love in different ways and forms and whatnot but otherwise and even those are all kind of distinctly different from what i can understand well and i think that especially you know i'm sure we'll talk about it here in a minute but like why don't you play in hell i think is him giving us a glimpse into how he makes movies you know, it's like if this is how he makes movies, how is he still alive? Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the thing is, like, I mean, I don't know. Do, do we jump into it? Or no, what, we have to do, do a thirty second breakdown first. Okay, thirty second breakdown. Is that that's my job? Oh, it will be your job. Oh, we have to get a camera oh, on you first. Fuck's sake. <laughs> yeah. Terrible. So you're ready? You're excited? Sure. Uh, both of those. Uh, all right. So here we go. Why don't you play in hell in thirty seconds? Here we go. Go go. Okay. So why don't you play in hell? Is about a, uh, a yakuza, a mob family. Um, and uh, and a film crew, 
there's a little girl uh, who is oh god this is gonna go by so fast uh, there's a, a little girl she's a big commercial star her dad's a Yakuza boss there's a, a rival Yakuza boss who's in love with her there's meanwhile a film crew that wants to make an amazing movie they end up making a movie uh, that is of the Yakuza fight and uh, lots of people die and it's all about filmmaking and it's fucking awesome and bloody <laughs> alright I'll take it <laughs> you got there you got god. there <laughs> <sighs> Good lord. You started out slow, but you made it work in the end. I made it work in the end. It's great to have on camera the oh shit moment of when you're like, oh wait, I only have 30 seconds for this movie. There's a lot that goes on in this movie. Yeah, there is uh, a ton, but uh, you seem to be uh, chomping at the bit. Where do you want to start with this? Um, I think the thing that that struck me about this movie last night watching it again, and I've seen this movie probably three or four times now. the, The first time I saw it, um, was it was a TIFF Midnight Madness movie, and I was lucky enough Ooh. to be at TIFF nice. at the midnight screening, which was I think maybe the world premiere of it. Um, yeah. And I had I had never seen a Sion Sono movie before, and I hadn't I, either before. And this one. all I knew was it was some crazy bonkers, uh, you know, Japanese action comedy thing. Um, and uh, yeah, and, you know that I'm sitting there at midnight in a crowd of two thousand people, you know, with Sion Sono there, and like it just blew my fucking mind. Um, and the thing about that first screening was, was I, you know, what I took away from it was just how like, you know, it it no holds barred it was, you know, it just oh, it, yeah. it it just said, you know, fuck everything, and like we're we're gonna do whatever we want, and you know, I left with this, you know, on a big high. Then I rewatched it again a couple. Of, I bought it as soon as I as soon as I uh, got home, and I watched it again a couple times. And every time, like I found new stuff. But then last night, what struck me about it uh, was now having written and directed an independent film. It hit me in a whole new way of of that this is a movie about independent filmmaking, and this is a movie about about the struggles and and the the battle. That is making a movie fast and making a movie, you know, on a, on a limited budget and making a movie, um, you know, flying by the seat of your pants, um, you know, the from from the 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 setup of having, you know, there's this, you know, you have your actress who did one really big thing, you know, that. That, you know, she hasn't really done anything in, you know, 10 years, but man, she did this commercial, you know. It's to... very popular. They even mentioned, like, the commercial is so popular, it's now, like, a hit radio song. Like, yeah. They're listening like this... to it in, like, a truck at one point. Yeah, yeah, it's, like, totally ridiculous. And then she grows up, you know, and becomes, you know, this hot young starlet that doesn't really want to be an actress, but her dad wants her to be an actress. Yeah. And, you know, it, it you have all this stuff that is basically, you know, it's sort of like all the elements of a film that are... Uh, you know, like a powder keg that's like, okay, we got to make a movie about this, but how do we go about it? Meanwhile, you have this film crew that literally has been making a single trailer for like 10 years. <laughs> and which is hilarious to me because, I mean, people do that. You know, oh, yeah, I, I know people who do this. At some point. Yeah. yeah it's, if we just it, keep making the trailer better, they'll give us $10 million for it. It'll yeah, happen. It, yeah. it, it's not, it's not an exaggeration. And, and you have, you know, and so there's your, your, film crew and they're they man they want to make this movie this director really wants to make this movie and then finally when all the pieces randomly come together you're able to make the film and it's a fucking battle yeah you know and and just the way that sono takes all of that metaphor and slams it together into this totally ridiculous idea of you know of of a director filming a yakuza war 
um, it, it, it's just, it's a really brilliant, you know, use of, of cinema for me, you know, cause I think cinema is at its best when it takes something metaphorical and it makes it real. And that's how we, you know, and then we're visually able to, to connect with it. Um, and I think, why don't you play in hell? It just, it's, it's a total masterpiece for me. I, you know, and you, and the fact that you have all these crazy characters that you actually care about, you know, you care about what's his name, the, the rival mob boss that's in love with a girl. Right. You know, he's, he's my favorite. I mean, he's a total creeper, but you know, I, what's his name? Uh, I can't remember his name. Muto? Not, I- no, Muto's Ikigami. the main. Yeah, Ikigami. Oh, is, Ikigami. Yeah. yeah. Played by, it's, if I can say yeah, this. Good luck with that name. Ch- Shinichi Tsutsumi. Tsutsumi. Tsutsumi? That sounds, Tsutsumi is the only part of that that I think Shinichi sounds close. Suits, yeah. Either way, that guy's awesome. That guy's awesome. They, and the other guy, is the Muto? Muto? Yeah, Muto. Muto. Is he from Audition? Was that was he, what he was in? I know I've seen him in other things. It's been a long time. Well, since he's I've in both the Kill Bill movies. Okay. Let me um, just click on his face. Really I, I got it right here. Okay, fine. <laughs> I do not see him in Audition. No, it says it right. It's one of the top three. Oh, is it? On IMDb, yeah. Audition. I don't know. Audition. Oh, yep. Because yeah. he's a guy, right? He's the yeah. he's the dude. That, oh, yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. But it's like, I mean, all the actors are great. You know, the gore is fucking hysterical. The gore is like the, it brings like a level of like absurdity to like a movie that's like both absurd and very grounded at the same time. But like with that level of just like this real sloppy, messy, just spraying everywhere. It's so good. I like the combination of of, uh, real prosthetics with the CG. Yes. Yeah. But like when you're just talking about the gore, like the first real instance of gore that you get is when the girl comes home and she's uh-huh. just standing like like six inches of blood and she yeah. just goes sliding through it and it's like It's so a mess. Good. We need to clean this up. Yeah, and she Stop. just insult like she just <laughs> you pathetic man. Well that's what's great is like that that like you said, it's like sort of it's surreal at times, but mm-hmm. then it it's oddly just very grounded and and it, it, he walks that that tightrope like really expertly. I, I've I'll try to I'm not going to be negative about the movie because I, I love it, which is why I wanted to have been talking about it an episode for so long. But there, there's something about this movie that I've I've recommended this movie to anyone who will listen to me talk about it just because <laughs> yep. it's just it's just so. It's still a hard sell. It is, and that's yeah. what I'm talking about. Like, it's like I think this movie just crackles off the screen with just like this great attitude, and yeah. it's just like almost like punk rock. It's just awesome. But if all you do is watch the trailer, you think it's just going to be wall to wall action, and like there's actually a pretty decent if not great story in here that like really gets you attached to everybody it's almost like um like uh, he's not the best at this but like guy Ritchie, where he has like 12 different storylines going on that all somehow are about one storyline this is the same sort of deal um but even with that i've mentioned this to a few people who are just like it was just kind of boring what who said that uh, i'm not gonna name names but i've been told by three of the people who recommended this to that it was boring I just and it's under the that. same idea that mad max fury road was boring was everything's a 10 then nothing is huh. which i think is interesting because this movie is all about firing on all cylinders at all times but i think that's why it works because i think if it didn't then you don't get the passion that the director has to make these movies you don't get the passion that the dad has that he wants his daughter to be a star because her, her mom wanted her to be a star like all of these emotions are like at their peak and that's why everyone's willing to die for it so i think if the movie did dial things down to like a seven or an eight or something like that and then had the bigger moments at the tens i don't think it would be as effective i think that's why the movie works because everyone and everything is life or death and that's what makes the movie like that's why i attach to it because as somebody who's like tried to make movies and they didn't work has made movies that didn't work made one or two things that were okay like i get that whole like 
the next one's going to be the great one. The next one's going to be the best yeah. thing in the world, and I would die for it. And I think that's so there in the movie from everyone. And, and the movie does a good job of telegraphing kind of its energy, its its tonal shifts, its its craziness, its absurdism. It does a very good job in the outset of doing that. So it's, it's almost kind of like uh, going back a couple episodes when we were talking about uh, Free Fire and how that you had to be kind of on board with a lot of the nihilistic elements of it uh, that like this is meaningless this is like this tells you what it's going you're going to be in for this weird this big weird ride that's just all metaphor very wacky very stylish and like a girl slides a mile through bloody water <laughs> and doors just kind of float away like the the movie gets you there in the beginning so it's like i don't get where like i, I kind of i can see where the boring part is but it's like the movie is kind of taking you on that like it's telling you where it's going yeah, it's, I, can, I can understand i can understand if somebody says this movie was overwhelming for me yeah you know if it, I, yeah. like i can understand that boring is like definitely not a word i would use no not at all is it the same from people when they when people that don't like reading subtitles that don't want to admit they don't like reading subtitles <laughs> honestly that's usually when i hear the word boring for but, this type of film but sono is such a great filmmaker that i feel like you could turn the subtitles off and you'd still get 90% of the story. Because sure. he's so good at visually telling things. You, I think you kind of get the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would agree and with that. all the actors did such a good job. Like, I, I mean, I, I've seen it, so I can't do like a good litmus test. But I'm pretty sure I would understand at least 75% of what's going on in this movie had I not been able to read a thing. I mean, this movie is, uh, you know, I think it's so different, too, from a lot of like American films in that, you know, like you said, it's firing on all cylinders 100% of the time. So by the end, you know, by that last shot, you're going, you're just, oh my God, oh my God, what was that? You know, and I think that's a, a val- I, I think that's maybe something that a lot of viewers over here maybe aren't used to. Yeah. You know, because there's definitely a formula that, that is sort of accepted in, in how a film should be made over here. And I think in Japan, there's definitely a sense of like, fuck it, you know, yeah. do whatever you want. You know, be as weird as you want, be as wild as you want, and I think maybe viewers over there are a little bit more willing to go along for the ride. Where something like this over here is like, whoa, wait, that doesn't follow the structure, you know? Well, yeah. it, as filmmakers here, we tend to be a little bit more on the conservative side in terms of uh, plot structure, theme, and like tone. Like yeah. we 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 tend to follow like, even though even in our kind of even though we push that sometimes, like we still follow conventions. We still the don't three stray, act, you know. The three act structure gets. It's boring. I mean, to me, that gets boring. We don't. We don't do what the last scene of this movie does, which calls attention to the fact that this is a movie. It's a movie, right? Like yeah. we don't. We don't do that because we like our audiences. Like we as an audience aren't really jiving with that. Like we, that's not what we have been trained to do as movie watchers. So when we kind of come to this movie, it's like I could see why people would say it's boring, but maybe that's just because they just don't know how to approach it. Yeah, they have not. They have not seen enough of this or like movies, even like Free Fire, which actually do. Like similar things in a different genre, a different space, where it's like you're not getting what you want, but you didn't know you kind of wanted it. Like, where you have, ex- but that's where also where you get into expectations, right? And then some people just get really frustrated when the movie doesn't fulfill their expectations. And, and given the very Americanized trailer of this movie, there's no way that this movie could match those expectations. No, because well, the the trailer was our first exposure to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> mine whole, too. The whole reason Brian and I even saw this movie was we were just lazily going through the Hulu trailers one night and I went, what's this? This looks interesting. We watched the trailer and then we immediately kind of became obsessed yeah. with being like getting access to the movie and watching it. Uh, and then when we watched, we watched it in Chicago with a friend on their couch and 
We were confused at first. We were like, <laughs> yeah. well, this is not what I was expecting to get. And then we sat and we stayed with the movie and then we loved it. I think that's the thing is you got to really just buckle yourself in and go, all right, I don't know what this is, but I'm going to watch it. But I think you could say that about virtually any of his movies. Sure. Because like, oh, yeah, sure. they all kind of... And I think that's why it's kind of refreshing to watch things from A, from other countries, and but B, him specifically, is because you're going to get something different every time. Yeah. And it's something where like it's enjoyable just to go, all right, so why don't you play it now? What the fuck is this going to be? All right, go for it. And like you could watch a trailer, you could not watch a trailer, whatever it is. And as long as you're just willing to let the movie be itself, then you could like it, not like yeah. it, whatever. But it's still like... Just being willing to go along for the ride. Like, this movie's a great fucking ride. And you also have to be willing to kind of be aware that you're watching a movie. And I think part of an issue with people is that they want to escape into the movie and then they want to live in that suspension of disbelief. But and, I, think this, I, is a I, movie, I think this is a movie you can totally escape into. Like, there's yeah. so I many think so. characters. I think, yeah. I think it's just a different... You kind of have to do it a little bit differently than like, how, you're, like, how people might be used to. See, I would, I, I would liken this to, like, jumping into, like, a world of Edgar Wrights. Like, it's just yeah. so kind of ridiculous and fun. But, like, it would be... Like this world is just so interesting. Like I, I love that. Like the the director making this movie, um, I forget the actor's name, um, or the character's name, but either the guy who's making the movies throughout the whole thing. I love how willing just to dive into it and all of the fuck bombers, which is the name of his film crew, are just willing to just dive in and make this movie. Where by the end of it, they're killing people. Like they're like, yep, yeah. makes a better movie, and they're they, like holding. They are it. literally dying for their art. Oh yeah, and, and like yeah. Well, it's it's they're interesting to me because they're. It for movies for their characters felt like a religion thing, uh, yeah. whereas mm-hmm. so many people. Well, it definitely is. They yeah. call it the god of film. Well, that's where you get it. Like so many people won't make a decision about their real passion until they get a sign. They need a sign to be able to do the thing, and their actor actually tries calling him out on that and be like, "We've been talking about this for ten years, and we haven't done anything." And Harada, the director, is just like, but it'll happen. One day it'll happen. Like, he's just waiting for that one day. And he's been, he made his own little shrine where he puts little notes in to pray to the god of filmmaking. Be like, give me that day. And then he does. He gets handed the day. So, of course, when they figure, when they latch onto it, they're all in because they've been put their whole lives on hold for this moment. Yeah. And I love how they find his note via puke. Yes. And it is a very, it's a very interesting kind of. Yeah, oh, excuse me. A very interesting. <coughs> I'm dying. <coughs> a very interesting way to bring Te- that religion to bear. Difficulties, right? Well, I, I, you know, I think really it's about how, as an artist, you you have this drive that maybe other people don't understand. You know, that other people might go, "Why are you still like battling?" You know, and and you know, trudging your way, you know, in this uphill battle to to make a movie when. Wouldn't it be so much easier just to, uh, you know, get a nine to five job and, and like not be, you know, killing yourself over this stuff. And I think this is a movie about those filmmakers that just, they can't, which I imagine is probably where Sam Sono himself comes from, you know, just like, why does this guy make two or three movies a year? You know, which I'm sure like on a schedule like that, it It must be exhausting. exhausting and crazy and he must never get any rest. And so I think this is a movie about why he doesn't stop is because he has to. And yeah. and I think as a viewer, if you can't really... I'm sure that there's a lot of people that just can't understand why, you know, why these people would put themselves through this. And, you know, especially at the end when they're making the movie itself, excuse me, and they're, they're you know, you know, going through all this, like, 
torture and torment to do this thing. I'm sure there's a lot of people that are going, oh my God, I don't understand this at all. But I think there are people who are going, oh, fuck yeah. You know, if you care about something enough, you'll do that. And I imagine, I, I think that's probably how Sono is as a person. Yeah. I'm also interested just about how, what part of Harada it is of the director. Just because Harada talks about how he just wants to make one movie. He has a entire monologue about directors who make multiple films and they may or may not be great. And we're like, and then he, at the end, he's like, I just want to make one. I just want to make one great movie and then I'll die. Mm-hmm. And I mean, essentially, he does that even though he's the only one that survives the film. But And since the director <coughs> makes two a year, that's the polar opposite of him. That's a good point. That's interesting. I mean, I wonder if that's him... You know, I wonder if it's him talking about, you know, himself as a kid, like trying to become a director. I wonder if it's, you know, condensing all of that just into, you know, the idea of making art and like just going, I'm going to, I just got to make one. Or maybe that was just like, he's just could be capturing his youth of that's what he was thinking before. He just had to make that one movie, then made it and then just kept making them. Yeah. I mean, who knows? I don't know. Yeah. It's an interesting point. Or he's like a Woody Allen guy who's like, I just don't think any of my movies are good. (laughs) I yeah. would hope I not. Keep making more, hoping to make yeah. that good one. Yeah, <laughs> I would really hope not because he's made some good shit. Um, but even it, <clears throat> it even calls to the end when it basically he moves out of frame, and you're aware that now we're on a set. It's almost like this weird transversal of time in the space of like maybe five seconds, of like yeah, he's the director. He did his first movie, and now he's making movies. Like it, it really asks you to make that jump of like his aspirations to make the movie. That's like breaking the seal, so to speak. And now that he's done that, we are now in the professional director. We are now in him later, years later. Interesting. Like a, oh, weird, yeah. a weird time kind of traversal, yeah. so, which I found really kind of cool. Just like it was like a spiritual jump to the future. Just be like, oh, the fullness of time. I get it. You you do it. You do it now. This is your thing. And you had to really. You somehow didn't go to jail. Right. Somehow didn't go to jail for yeah. mass murder. <laughs> well, he didn't kill anyone. Everyone else killed people. I don't think he killed anyone, though, it was, did he? It was like that weird complacency. Oh, sure. I mean, well, yeah. I, think, I think that he's... No, I, I, I think that he did. I mean, I think that he's... I think at the end, what you know, Sono is telling us is this director left a mountain of bodies in his wake in the effort of making one movie. Oh, and yeah. that that is what making movies is about. That I think he's sort of like pointing the finger at himself a little bit and saying, yeah, at the end of this, every actor is exhausted and dead. You know, my, you know, the, the camera crew, you know, like everybody's, everybody's dead, you know, and, but it's all in the service of making this thing and, you know, sort of talking about like the inherent kind of, uh, I don't know what the word would be like selfishness or something of a director that is, that is like, this is my vision and we're all going to do it and at any cost. And I think that that's kind of what he's getting at is that, you know, at the end, man, only the director's left and he's like. Fuck everybody. We made it. <laughs> and there's a very high uh, rate of divorce and such in cinema. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to lose your family. Well, I love too how the, uh, <laughs> I love how like one of the, the sort of heroes of the whole thing is the sound guy. Oh, my oh, oh yeah. Just the, the sweat dripping down his face still rolling. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just, it's so good. You know, it's all those little elements. Cause like, that often is your savior on a film set. It's the sound yep. guy, yeah. you know, the quiet dude in the corner. And it's it's just, it made me laugh last night watching that and, and just going, yeah, he's really, he's just talking about. Even its placement in the production itself, 
being so far like late into the production yeah. of it that it's like this is str- like timeline wise that's when yeah you get the sound guy oh we need a sound guy good sound guy thank you for being good yeah and it's like oh oh the one thing I liked about the sound guy in particular is that we're we're getting really caught in the weeds of like the filmmaking aspect of this movie, but like there is still a story here that is a very good story. And as the filmmaking starts going nuts and Looney Tunes and crazy and awesome, the sound guy is the one who brings us back into reality. Like Where he shoots him? when he shoots, uh, I forget, I keep forgetting character names. Uh, Ikigami. Uh, when he shoots him, it's like, oh shit, like. No, this is still definitely a war. Because like when they're all fighting with samurai swords, yes, people are getting cut up and limbs and body parts. But because there's so much limbs and body parts and everything, it's almost comical. Not even almost. It is comical. It is comical. Uh, and it's funny and it's fun. And then the guy gets shot. And it's like everyone's just like, oh, shit, was that a gunshot? And then it yeah. just gets real. Like, yeah. And, and then, somehow the camera guys get automatic weapons. <laughs> yeah, well, or like when the you know the boyfriend gets the sword through the head. Oh, yeah. his final sort of moment laying down and seeing Mitsuko, what's yeah. her name? Seeing Mitsuko and and you know and, and saying thank you. Like that's such a touching moment. Oh yeah. You know, and and like you said, it, it grounds all this insanity in something really like very real. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, it's hard to do. I don't think if this movie didn't have like that emotional like hit to it, like how uh, Mudo wants to make the movie or wants his daughter to be in a movie for his wife. Like, there's like these real like that poor wife who's gonna get out of jail and she's like, they made a movie, but yeah. I'm alone. <laughs> yeah, uh, but like the well, she might be happy with just the movie. I don't yeah, know. who knows? Um, I don't remember what I was gonna say, but there is something to it where it's just like that that real emotional connection to this thing is. For me, what makes the movie work? Because if it wasn't for that, it would just be kind of a fun romp, like a meh, two out of four stars. Like, oh yeah, they all kind of kill each other. Well, and then, it's really it would, well done. then it would be boring. Then yeah, it would be exactly. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I agree completely. Do you guys think that the police force was uh, the production company, like the distributor, <laughs> where they come in at the end and they have a lot of notes and they just kind of bulldoze everything? Sure. I mean, I sure, it could be. That's a total way to read it. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what the uh, Japanese film market's like, but if this was an American film, oh, absolutely. <laughs> they they'd all be wearing little, like, WB badges. They just badges. start shooting room to room. All right, next. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, yeah. They're, they're reshoots. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're not happy with this director. Let's go in and reshoot everything. Oh, now they'd be wearing little mouse symbols. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> except I'm still okay with that firing totally okay with it well yeah actually both of them for me but that's okay um i want to talk a little bit about mitsuko because i think she is she's the driving force of the entire movie uh even though like i there's really no main character but i think like if you go thematically it'd be the director she's technically the first face we see yeah she is because we, we get that commercial first the commercial that starts basically everything mm-hmm. but i really I've been looking her up because I don't know. Her name is uh, Fumi uh, Nakiado. Sorry, Fumi. Um, and she doesn't have a lot that like even really available in the states. Uh, she's done a lot of TV, a lot of TV specials, like that sort of stuff. I think she is fantastic in this movie, though, because yeah. I think she had to be. Like it's really kind of like a make or break role. Like, and it's kind of how they were talking about the girl who was in the movie that replaced her. It's like, right. without her, this thing doesn't work. And it's the same for this movie. Like There has to be a reason why the guy gets a sword through his head, both her dad, both the other guy. Like Everyone is just obsessed with her. And I think if you didn't somewhat understand that, I don't think the movie would work. It's the star power. Well, yeah. Charisma. Yeah, I think it's that. And I think it's it's 
interesting that she is, you know, kind of not like, it's not like she's, you know, all that into wanting to be a star as an adult, you know, she was this big star as a kid and, and sort of everyone around her is obsessed with her and she's sort of, you know, pushing everybody away. You know, she doesn't give a fuck about anybody. And, and I think that's sort of interesting about how, about how then, you know, by the end, I think she really does care about, about the boyfriend, you know, about the, the, and I'm calling him the boyfriend because I can't think of a, well, I can't think of his name and I. One day lover. Yeah. The, yeah. You know, but it's like this. Mr. Gasp Koji. Gasp Koji. Yeah. Um, that's a cool name. Uh, you know, but how like, you know, her, I feel like her whole arc is about finding a meaningful human, you know connection oh definitely yeah because like she she gets it because she left the film to be with her boyfriend who then immediately cheated on her yeah so she doesn't kill him but she definitely ruins a good portion of his life uh but i was gonna say there's a part of me that thinks that she'd be happier going into the family business if you will sure she really takes to violence like there's no problem with it whatsoever she shoves a bunch of glass in a dude's mouth and then cuts the shit out of him like like they're like she really is cool being a badass. Like she's just totally yeah. fine just murking people. Yeah. And I I wonder if there's either a version of the script or if there was something where she was like in line to be in part of the family, like the actual yakuza part of it, or if because she's a woman there was really just no place for her in that and that that's just kind of her lot in life. Well, yeah. I well I think her whole family is so obsessed with the fact that she was a star that they don't want, you know, that she's just doing whatever they want her to do. I think yeah. they they're trying to make her her, her the new family business, you know, her being this this movie star because of this fucking commercial she did when she was eight. Oh yeah, you know, and and I think that's that is her lot in life. You know, it's she she wouldn't be a part of the mob family business because she's supposed to be an, a star. You know, yeah, and yeah. and she's and I think maybe that's you know another you know bit about her character that's interesting is that she's you know, she's like any number of like kid stars that maybe don't want to do it anymore. You know, like the kid, the kid who played Joffrey in Game of Thrones. Oh yeah. You know, after he got killed off, he just said, I don't want to act anymore. I don't want to do this. Well, everyone was mean to him. Well, sure. You know, (laughs) but, but even then it's like, you know, I, I, from what I understand, and I don't know much about it, but from what I understand, he just, he was like, yeah, I don't think acting's for me. And I'm sure that he got pressure from lots of people saying, oh, no, yeah. no, no, you got to keep going. Yeah. And that's got to be really hard. This is an interesting, also, if you want to read into it, in this into it, but uh, child stars and the kind of the <laughs> the strife, the perversion, the kind of just how it ruined, like it ruins a lot of kids' lives. And this There's... is kind of an interesting little little uh, metaphor to that too, which I, I kind of read, I saw that this time around. I was like, oh, dang, that's right. Like, Crunch, kids. crunch, crunch, crunch. I'm sorry. <laughs> crunch, <laughs> I'm chewing ice. Uh, I mean, it's just really the expectations when you're yeah. a child star. Everyone has, like with, with Joffrey, yeah. uh, an expectation of what they're going to be doing afterwards, how they're going to grow up. Specifically, like the kid from The Sixth Sense are you going to grow up to be attractive and a leading man? And then he grew up and he still looked exactly the same yeah, as he did when he was younger, just a larger a, version. Bigger and a little pudgier, but yeah. he's still a good actor. Like, yeah, he's still a good actor, but he didn't the he didn't fulfill the expectations of ma- like facially maturing, I suppose. Sure. <laughs> Cuz it, it was hard I just imagine it was hard for people to take him seriously when he still has a very childlike face. Yeah. Well, so they didn't fulfill expectations, and then therefore 
they didn't but, cast him. But I feel like she could have fulfilled it, the, those expectations. Like she still has a look. She's still charming. People still love her. But it's whether or not people like that. But I, I I don't think it matters what people like. It matters what she likes. That's and what I mean. Whether or not like she it. those oh, people yeah, 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 with yeah. The, the expectations put upon them, whether yeah. or not they want it. And I think Graham Jar. I don't think she has an interest in being an actress. Like it just kind of feels like my dad, who's a mob boss, tells me I have to do this, so I guess I better do this. And she just has no interest in it. They have to tie her up to a chair where she's been trying to get away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You literally tie her to a chair because <laughs> you can't leave. Yeah. It's, you will act, damn it. Yeah. I, you know, I think that the other thing about child stars is that they are forever compared to who they were, mm-hmm. you yeah. know? And I think if you're, if you're not that, then, you know, all of us have the ability to change. You know, like we were talking about it, you know, before, b- before, and, and one major element of the book, you know, is that these kids grow up and, and we see the, the difference in who they are as adults versus kids. And so I think of when I'm, we're talking about this, I think of the character of Ben, you know, who's, you know, he's the fat kid in, in the, in the book and spoiler alert, but you know, when he's, when he grows up, he's like super hot and fit. And I think, like, if we look at that as sort of metaphor for the ability to to um, redefine yourself as you grow up, something that that's something that Mitsuko is unable to do because yeah. she's forever being, you know, compared to her eight year old self that sang this fucking dental song, <laughs> you know, and that's that's all she's ever going to be, and that's like incredibly depressing. It's got to be super hard to grow up and have that be. I mean, that's your legacy, you know. You already yeah. did it. Yeah, you you peaked at eight. Yeah. yeah. Way to go. And even, especially in Japan, where they have, at least from our American lens, a very severe fetishization of young schoolgirls. Sure. So yeah. she would have been, as with the other mob boss, romanticized her entire life. Yeah. I don't, I mean, I'm probably way off the mark here, and maybe it's just my own, you know, innocence, but I never really took that as romantic from him. Oh, he I was sure in did. love did with you? her. Oh, yeah. yeah. See, I, I thought as him in love with her, but I never. I mean, I guess when she was older, it made more sense to me. But it, it just never felt like it. Always felt to me like he wanted to be her dad, which I guess daddy, and then it gets gross again. But oh, I didn't think that at all. I I think he was. I mean, he wanted to bone that eight year old girl. You think so? Oh yeah, I think so. I think that he. I think that's why like the last thing he sees is her in that like eight year old kind of state. Yeah. As he's dying there, like he doesn't yeah, see her no, as you're herself. Right. It's just me, just cr- not wanting like, people to be pedophiles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I guess in that case, the version of daddy we've come to kind of ich at still applies. Yeah. yeah, no, definitely. But again, it's it's a mixture of me not wanting people to be pedophiles and me going, I really like that guy. Like he's he's such a good actor. He has oh he is so lovable, and and it's that goofy smile thing he does. Oh yeah, I just love his face. His face is yeah. so fun. Yeah. He is such an expressive animated face like he's a he almost feels like a living cartoon to me when i watch this movie there's that scene when they're uh when uh the director calls him to try to convince them to be okay with this whole thing and it's again we have mitsuko here you know the one who sings the song and then he starts singing the song and when they start cutting back between the two of them singing the song together fucking incredible because they just come back to him for one word and it's when they go let's fly fly, and it's just him going fly (laughs) (laughs) and then he does that hip dance in front of her picture as they're all like waiting for him and he's like oh I was like, "What is going on?" And even his like, kind of having them all go back into the kimonos, and like that was so. That's one of my favorite moments in the entire movie when he's just telling the guys what they need to change. You shave off that beard, shave it. All right, oh, go, okay, 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 go, okay, go, 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 go. <laughs> it's, like, it's just so good. And 
I think that's kind of why that works. Like it's because they're also charismatic. Like yeah, even though even though the dude is lusting after an eight year old girl, you right. still like kind of love him because he's kind of adorable in his own weird yeah. way. Yeah, and that's I think the power of Sono's world building. Right, is that yeah. he's got you know he's got all these bizarre characters and yet you care about every single one of them. And he he loves the camera. He he loves being. He thinks the idea of being in the movie is wild. And I love seeing those shots where he's just like. He's standing back to back with the guy he's trying to kill, and he's like yeah. smiling at the camera, like "ha, yeah," <laughs> posing, doing like act like fun poses. Well, at one point, doesn't he? He kills like eight people in a row, like, and the camera's there, and he stops and he looks at the camera and mugs <laughs> and flashes a peace sign to yeah. them. You peace. Know? And, it's, and it's just like, yeah, it's it's. I mean, I don't know what he stands in for, but he's yeah, he's hilarious. I don't. Yeah, I'm trying to think of what part of filmmaking he exactly represents, and I'm not sure either. But I do know that the the father, the more traditional looking mob boss, is uh, represents the executive producer. Sure. Sure. Trying to well, get... they have that entire speech about like how much money am I going yeah, to give you? Totally I love that the speech. I, that entire speech is so great. It's like, are you a breakfast, a lunch, or a dinner? How and much like, money? Breakfast. Yeah. I'm breakfast. I'm definitely breakfast. And he hands him like a dime. <laughs> are you sure you're not more? And it's just like, <laughs> fuck (laughs) (laughs) well and it plays into their whole like wanting to be cool too because the speech itself separated from the movie is like oh that's typical like you're gonna put that in a yakuza movie you're gonna put that in a mob movie or it's like are you the breakfast the lunch or the dinner i've got an (laughs) offer for you and it's like no they all want to be cool well that layer on top is like this is so cool are you cool i'm cool that's the whole movie and and kind of what the film industry is it's a lot of people wanting to be cool cool. yeah i mean everyone wants to be the cool kids and nostalgia yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, it's all there. Uh what haven't we talked about in this that we want to hit on a little bit more? Oh, sure there's something. There's a lot to unpack in this movie. Um I love I think maybe my favorite scene in the movie is when it's at the end and he and again, I it should be noted if you haven't seen this movie, go watch the goddamn movie. Oh yeah. yeah. Um we haven't spoiled too much. No, but we're going. I don't, th- to. I don't think we could because it's that's not the. It's thing. so experiential. You yeah, know? I, mean, I mean, you can know that everyone dies, and it's like it, it'd be. I think it's more. It'd be more problematic if one person died. Uh, it's like, oh, now I know yeah. who dies, but it, no, it's everyone, and that's not the but point the, of the movie. The cover of the DVD is just a pile of bodies with a camera ri- rising through it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so. yeah I, I, th- I think my favorite scene of the movie is when it's after you know everything's happened. It's at the very, very end, and. Our director, you know, is staggering down the street, covered in blood, holding all the film stuff. He's shot. And yeah, he's shot. You know? <laughs> shot twice. And and it cuts to the premiere in the movie theater and the whole cast and crew is there and everybody, even some even the guy that got his head chopped off, yeah. they just have gauze <laughs> you know, <laughs> that are wrapped around and everybody's cheering for them and, and you know, I guess it's insinuated that that's kind of a dream sequence a little bit. But, you know, I just love how at the end, you know, Sono really blends this, you know, blurs this line of, you know, of, of the meta moment of like, we are making a movie, this is a movie, you know, and yes, these people are all still alive, but they did all sacrifice so much to make what we made. Yeah. You know, I just, I think it's a really, you know, it's just such a non-traditional way of, of you know, talking about movie making and especially at the end then you know to literally have to literally have the camera to to hear cut and to yeah. see at the end of all of this to see you know like a pa like walking out and somebody like walks across camera yeah. it's just so yeah. like revelatory it's yeah. like such an amazing it's the only way that you could have ended this movie oh you yeah know? 
I totally agree. Because I think if you try to go like too in story, it wouldn't have worked. If you try to go too experimental, it wouldn't have worked. Like it, it just kind of like this would be a rough movie to sit down and try to figure out an ending for. And like this is a perfect way to end it. End it like a movie actually ends. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. All right, we're going home. Bye. Done. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Get, out of, get out of here and... before meal penalty hits. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, for me, the, the one scene that like I, I just never remembered it. And even Chewie mentioned when we were watching it last night. Like I don't remember this scene at all. But watching it last night, it's the scene that made me laugh the hardest. And it's when uh, when they go to get the director because they found his prayer in the puke box and whatnot. And they they're talking to him. They get him to go. He's like, "Well, I can't. I'm in the middle of a date." And like, "Well, your date doesn't have to end." And they cut to the van. And he's still hitting on the girl that was in the bar with him. Still going through this whole long explanation of why are they should or shouldn't kiss. And she goes, no, oh, you can kiss me. And then just everyone in the van, one by one, <laughs> you should do it. Yeah, I think you should yeah. do it. Yep, go for it. No, now I can't do it. <laughs> but it's such just like little funny moment in like this very like different movie. Like it almost feels out of place, but it still works so well. Like I just, I love that moment. Well, it does a thing too for like these super hyper violent people that it like, like they're still human and they still have like a way of seeing like romance and dating and the, to, it just adds that extra layer of humanity to something that's about to not be. Actually, yeah. it adds a layer of humor to me in just like Hollywood though. Yeah. Uh, of the person who is very charismatic, hasn't achieved success yet, but he when he's on a date, he will just talk about his impending success and how that woman should love him yeah. for it. Yeah, just go hit on anybody in a bar in Hollywood. Yeah. You'll have this experience. Uh, you'll you'll learn how everyone is the most special person in that room. Oh yeah, they all are. We're all perfect. Yeah, yeah. It's it's uh, there's another great scene. There's a moment where Mitsuko and and you know the the her her one day love uh, are sitting in like a parking garage or something and. And it's where she, you know, and this is in the middle of like one of the big climaxes of the movie. And then it cuts to this really quiet scene where, where, you know, she says, you know, I've never actually had a real kiss. I've never, you know, really, it's always been on camera and I've never actually had one. And, you know, and she tells him that he can kiss her. And it's like this really adorable moment, you know, and, and it's, it's, I guess it's, oh, it's part of his whole cocaine thing. Remember when oh, yeah, he yeah, like yeah. does all the cocaine and then yeah. it like flashes back. And I don't know. I just, I th- I, I think that that's a part of this movie that I love so much is that is that we we go to these incredible like just totally insane moments, but then Sono brings us back and reminds us like what's really important to let us you know really you know to remind us why we're caring about these people. It's really uh yeah it's really masterful. A yeah. lot of anime will will do that too. So like I I feel I felt like oh like I felt used to that kind of thing going into a movie like this but i could i could say i could i could feel like someone that we would recommend a movie to this that maybe isn't jiving with it would consider like that a weird aside like why now why when everything's just about to get all hectic it's like that's where it's the most important yeah. For, yeah. for stuff like this that pushes the boundaries of uh <laughs> time yeah well especially since we're just about to lose both those characters you know and, yeah and this yeah. really and it just makes it that much more heartbreaking whereas i think if you didn't have that scene i wonder if it would have played funnier you know or or played more as we would have wondered what they what she saw in him i mean i still made it really made their connection stronger like it made you understand why he didn't just run away where he promised not to run away from her well i mean i got that from the very beginning of the movie when he's watching the commercial Mm -hmm. and his dad or whoever just makes the joke what is that your girlfriend he's like girlfriend and and it really pays that off yeah totally which we need that at other end that reciprocation like he finally achieves it 
Yeah, even if it's even if they just horribly die afterwards, like <laughs> well, they have their their romance that lasts forever. And, and yeah. it's yeah, and it's not it's not like a creepy thing. It's not like oh, mm. I see this girl in this commercial, oh, I want her. You know, it's it's not like he's so not a proactive guy, and he's so <laughs> just along for the ride that he it's it's all. I mean, to me, it's just all it's adorable, and you really you know, and 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 he ends up you know dying a hero. Yeah, uh, which well, is nice. He really seemed to want to love her. He didn't just want things from her, which a lot of the other characters did, where they wanted her to fulfill their actual oblig, uh, uh, sorry, expectations, and he just wanted to experience being with her. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's why he gave her the money back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She gave him a shit ton of money, and he's like, "I don't want the money. I just, you know, we're gonna be together for a day. Let's be together for a day. That's enough yeah. payment for me." I was like, "Oh, yeah, that's cute." You poor dumb guy. It's it's, it's the nice guy. <laughs> Actually, being the nice guy, yeah, where there's a lot of tropes where you could fall, you could fall into the nice guy finish last crap, where then he just turns out to be a douche. But, yeah, no, he wasn't a douche. Yeah, but you know, he he definitely did finish last, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and with a sword through his head. Well, and you know, know I, the thing was, I still laughed when he died. Like, I feel kind of bad about it. Not right when he died, but when he, he comes through the three wall. Times. Yeah, <laughs> he died. <laughs> He had three deaths, kind yeah, of. But the slow sword through the wall is like, what the hell is this? And really his head funny. just comes through with it. It's like, yeah. oh. It's, it's like this yeah. weird, this weird unicorn <laughs> wandering around. That okay, that adds a great layer to the whole like nice guy thing. Is like the nice guy of this portrayal is a unicorn. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Chewy I love this movie. Disapproves. No, I, actually, I really like that. <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, we're getting pretty close to the end of this thing. Is there anything that we have not touched that we want to? I mean, we haven't really talked about the filmmaking of the actual movie much, both beyond design and just saying it's crazy. Uh, anything that we want to hit? I mean, it's energetic, and the, I, I the say tec- that as the someone technical who- aspects of it is great. The sound yeah. is great. The, well, the all, way it's shot, the color, but uh, even the little touches of like things like you know when. You know, somebody flashes a peace sign, you hear a ding. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's just, it's unafraid to kind of throw that shit out there and, and not not be tied down to any kind of constraints. Yeah. I mean, the the long and short of this before we jump into quotes here in a second, uh, if you have not seen it or if you've not seen any of his movies, I mean, and there's, I mean, he makes so many. There's got, there's terrible ones, there's great ones, but I really don't think you could go wrong picking, like, if you see one on any streaming service, you could turn it on and you will have an experience yeah and it will probably be a good one you might find a bad one here or there like you go back to like his earlier stuff like suicide club which was great but it's still also it's a little dated now and it's not quite as shocking as it was <laughs> once was but still a good movie my, my recommendation if you're going to watch this movie for the first time is i think get like three people together that all have very different taste in movies yeah and nobody watch a trailer nobody you know don't don't give yourself any kind of expectation just sit down and watch it and go along for the ride. And I really yeah. would be interested to hear, you know, what people's experiences are. Um, especially if you like have somebody that I'm really into comedy, somebody I'm really into horror, somebody I love, you know, Howard's End is my favorite movie, yeah. <laughs> you know, and just see what everybody thinks. Yeah. And if you like this one, like this would be a good kind of, if you like this, you're probably going to like his other stuff. Yeah. You could take a shot at Love Exposure, which is a hell of a movie. Oh, my God. Watch. Have any of you seen Love and Peace? Mm-mm. Oh, my Wait. God. What's that one about? It's, it's his Christmas movie? No. Oh, my God. You guys. I don't know where. I don't know where you can find it. Look up Love and Peace. Okay. It's fucking phenomenal. 
it rivals this as my favorite Sono movie. Wow. It's it's amazing. So my favorite will I think it'll be tough to beat Love Exposure. That movie is just yeah. it's it's near perfect and even though it's 4 hours and 20 minutes long. It's a hell of a sit, but my god, it's a good movie. Yeah. Um but that's how I kind of feel about all of his movies. Like everyone I've watched, Michael, like, well, that was a hell of a ride. Even if I don't particularly love it, they're still fucking good movies. Yeah. Um but yeah, let's jump into quotes, 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 quotes. Mine can I? I'll go first because yeah. somebody might steal mine. I don't know. Gnash your teeth. Let's fly. <laughs> That's my favorite. Uh, I mean, I, it works. <laughs> I just like it when uh, I don't know if it's supposed to be just his like concubine hooker or whatever. Uh, that what was it? A breakfast or lunch? Not that guy. Not the other mob boss. <laughs> oh, okay. uh, the one with the expressive face. Uh, right after he gets out of being stabbed and stuff, and he goes to her, and she's wearing her kimono, and she's. Oh yeah. I forgot the line. I'm sorry I didn't write it down. But it's kind of like a when you whenever you want to be prepared wear a kimono or something. When you prepare like for that. the worst, you when, wear, when you prepare for the yeah. worst wear a kimono and yeah. then ding in his brain. That that's, was fun. And then you got to the big kimono scene afterwards. Yeah, it's pretty great. John? Uh come back to me. Uh okay. So mine uh it's right after they decide to uh to both make the movie and kill everyone while making it. And uh, obviously the mob boss is far more excited about making the movie than everyone else. And everyone else just wants to go on the raid. So the mob boss goes, let's make a movie. And everyone goes, yeah. And then one of the guys goes, and go on a raid too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, okay. So I, I've got one and it's similar. Like it's near that scene where he, he takes like 10 seconds to write the script. And then he's uh, like, are, are you all ready? And they're like, yeah, yeah, ready. And it's like one guy's like, well, we're not confident, but we're ready and we'll die for it. And I'm like, that is, that is a summation of what we do out here. Yeah, that's yeah. so good. I'm not confident, but we're going to do it and die trying. Uh, all right. So review system for today is going to be movies about making movies. Any and all. Uh, I will go with one of the recent ones that other people also say is very boring. Uh Hail Caesar. Oh, okay. I really enjoy, nice. enjoyed Hail Caesar. Uh, I know a lot of people said it's also racist, but, I mean, it's a movie about making movies in the 40s. It was racist time, quite quite the bit so. Uh, and well, That was a subtitle for that era, racist <laughs> time. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, granted, uh, apparently it hasn't actually changed, and we just put a nice gloss over it for the last 60 years. As we're finding out. Uh, but... A lot of people say Hail Caesar is really boring. And I'm like, actually, it's got quite a fun little thing into it about what it's like to make a movie, how to manage a, a studio, and uh, witch hunting about communism and uh, such. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with the movie Full Frontal. Mm. Um, not the greatest movie in the world, but I think it kind of it's it leans into this very well of. Full Frontal, if you haven't seen it, is a movie about making 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 a movie. About making a movie. Um, and it, it's kind of this interesting thing of you never really are sure if you're watching the story or if you're watching something about making the story. And it, it just constantly keeps blurring those lines uh, in a way that I thought was really interesting and great. And everyone I saw it with back in high school went, you're a fucking moron. This movie was garbage. I'm like, no, it was brilliant! But I was also 16 and stupid and I haven't seen it since I was that, that old. But... Uh, there's something about this movie where it also kind of blurs the lines of reality a little bit. And I think it, it reminded me of Full Frontal in that way. And in Full Frontal, you get to see David Coveney's dick. So, you know, check it out. <laughs> Win! I really like his butt in Evolution. Oh, there you I go. I haven't seen his dick. 
Well, you need to see Full Frontal. Okay. You get the full Duchovny. If I have your approval. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to go with Ed Wood. Okay, yeah. Um, I love Ed Wood. I love that movie so much. Um, I, you know, it might be sort of an easy answer, but I think that, um, you know, that often gets sort of forgotten when people are talking about Tim Burton or when people are talking about, like, film history. And, uh, you know, I don't know how accurate it necessarily is, but I think, uh, you know, it, you have this movie about, you know, sort of in the same way of, like, this guy that, you know, he, man, he just really wants to make a fucking movie. And, yeah. and here is Ed Wood. And especially even, especially in the wake of talking about like, um, you know, the old universal monsters, you know, his relationship with Bella Lugosi and, and, uh, isn't he dead? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, uh, anyway, yeah. Ed Wood. Love that movie. I was actually going to say like the, my favorite thing in Ed Wood is the running gag of, isn't he dead? And then yeah. this movie has the running gag of the, the song. My favorite thing in Edward is them lying to their investors. (laughs) (laughs) Um, This is going to be kind of obvious, but I think I'm picking it because they make me laugh in kind of both the same way, which, do the math on that, is Singing in the Rain. Ah, yes, good. Okay, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, I just watched that the other day. Such a good movie. It's such a good movie. And I know it's, it's, I mean, it's the top on any list of movies about making movies, but it's jokes about sound. Laugh in the same way. Like, it's very spot on with the process of it. And... Even at the with at the time with the way those movies were shot and staged, it's so constructed of a movie too that you're aware of. Like as, as you watch more of these movies and kind of start getting that language, and you're like, "This is so like everything's a stage. They're dancing on stages," and it just so draws attention to the fact that this is a movie and this is a movie being made at the same time in the same way. And I I think they are both very very funny. Well, and it's I mean, you know, as a I'm a musical theater guy and like the dance sequences in that movie are just you watch them today they're still unparalleled it's a fucking phenomenal i think the the way that the dance numbers in that movie are unparalleled the uh violence in this is like unparalleled in terms of how how both of those function in the movie as both the same way like yeah there's a a great joy in the violence in this movie and there's a great joy in the dancing in that movie so that's my connection for that yeah that one really works uh that was everybody right yeah. There's only yeah. four of us. Yep, that makes sense. That's how you count. Well, the gimp, the, the, <laughs> and, and the gimp can't speak. Yeah, of course. Yeah. That poor bear doesn't have any vocal cords left, so you know that that's everyone then. The gimp's inside the bear. <laughs> He's toasty. <laughs> uh, okay, so that brings today's episode to a close. Uh, quick plugs for upcoming episodes. Uh, I made a joke about it earlier, but we're going to talk about it next week. We got Tom Cruise's The Mummy. Oh. Woo! I, <laughs> I love that we're going from polar opposites. That. Oh yeah, uh, we're that, gonna go from from good to really ugh. to really something I mean, else. I like watching Tom Cruise run, so I'm sure I'll find some joy in that. But just get the montage of him running. The mo- not. Nah, I gotta see it. I, I'm really just putting it on here to force myself to watch it. So okay. we will <laughs> we will just, we will see what it's like. Uh, and then the week after that, we got uh, Wonder Woman, and I'm very excited for Wonder Woman. Oh, cool! I love Wonder Woman. Uh, so you can check us out www.athpod.com follow us on twitter ath underscore podcast uh, everywhere else just ath podcast uh, make sure you're checking out our spotify playlist uh, we don't have a ton of subscribers on there yet but I keep being told that everyone's listening to it 
I'd recommend that you subscribe because you I get the new I would just like to hear week. what people think of our musical taste. Yeah, they're they're, uh, they're and, a little batty. And um, if I've gotten anyone over to Nightwish, no, I keep putting. Nightwish I'm guessing in there. no. <laughs> Other people need to enjoy Nightwish. Uh, so this past week's was all for the movie It. Uh, that should still be up there today. If you're listening today, it'll change tomorrow to uh, our theme for the movie Mother, uh, which is just Jennifer's. And we're just kind of going nuts with it. So it's anything either about a Jennifer, by a Jennifer, that makes you think the word Jennifer, anything Jennifer. So that'll be a fun playlist because I'm just going a little bit more absurd with that one. Uh, anything else? Play our game. Uh, Play our game. We got a few people already doing it and getting the points. Yep. Uh, uh, that's our tip of the brain game. Uh, and if you go online now, there's rules that John has put on there. And basically just message us and that's how we do it. So you can no longer yeah. have all the answers spoiled for you and just get a bunch of pity points. Yeah. Um, no one wanted to do the pity points yeah so weirdly enough um but it's it's a good game and it's uh it's tough so bring your and keep guessing like wrong guesses don't mean you can't keep guessing like yeah keep trying like keep trying until you get it yeah like making a movie exactly yeah very much so and speaking of making a movie graham what's uh what's your movie called again sequence break sequence break sequence break and we'll be able to find that in shutter at some point next year yes yeah it'll be out on shutter and yeah if you're in la come on by beyond fest october 8th Uh, it's gonna be super fun awesome at the egyptian Uh, Egyptian. anything else you need to plug no i mean yeah come yeah sequence break has sort of been my life of late so uh, cool you know but yeah i mean other films you can find beyond the gates almost human the mind's eye um, you can find all those movies around. Um, it's almost like you're working, working in the industry or something. Uh, yeah, I guess. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah. Thanks, uh, guys, for having me on. This is super fun. Yeah. Well, thank you for thank coming. you so much for coming. Okay, so that's it for today. Bye, Bye. Pokemoners. Pokemon! <laughs>